Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. What an excellent performance again here on a Sunday morning at, at Villas Grace Church. One more round of applause for everybody who led us in worshiping our Lord and Savior. We're wrapping things up this morning. We've been in a seven-week series titled, Jesus in the Old Testament. Now, there are more than seven times that Jesus showed up before his birth. But we pick seven. Seven times that Jesus showed up before his birth, and each one of these times is nothing other than an incredible encouragement for us to see what the Lord has been doing since the beginning and how that trend will continue on through all eternity. Imagine that. Imagine that. Imagine how quickly your life has gone so far. Think about it. Your life is like a vapor. Your life is like the steam coming up off a hot cup of coffee. Here today, seemingly gone tomorrow. But in light of eternity and what God has promised us through our Savior, Lord, and Jesus Christ, we have hope of an eternal future. And I'm so encouraged. I don't know about you, but I'm so encouraged to see that his work has been going on since the beginning. So before we continue further this morning, let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are a body of believers who know that we're sinful and we know that we need you, Lord. My prayer for us today is this. It's simple. Lord, I just pray that you teach us, train us to share your good news of salvation to those who you have brought into our lives. That is as simple as we want to be. We want to know you and we want to make you known, Lord. Please help us do that. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So, I don't know about you, but I'm not a big fan of cleaning the house. Now, I don't mind cleaning and doing dishes, but I'm not going to lie to you. I'm kind of uh, enjoying the fact that Leighton is a tween at 11 years old and soon to be 12 this winter. And, and Reese is nine and she's able to fold laundry, do dishes, all these types of things. It's alleviated some of the household chores. But I'm sure most of you are like my wife, Hope. See, when... Company comes over, there's two things that happen, okay? One, we start putting up pictures of the company so they feel like they're better friends than what they really are. And we put them in strategic locations. So if there's a picture of you up, the cat's out of the bag, you know what's really going on. No, we don't do that. If your picture's up, we love you. Wait, what does that mean if your picture's not up? We're not going to go there. The second thing that always happens is limpiar la casa. Clean the house. We get things in order. We tidy things up. Companies come and we frantically scramble. 
And the amazing thing is, whenever I go into anybody's home, I always think to myself, you know, when I go to other people's homes, it doesn't ever look dirty to me, really. You know, so it's like anybody's going to look at our mess and think it's dirty. We just think we're dirtier than what we really are. And also, too, I, I threw Mr. Clean up here on the screen this morning. And, and, and seriously, don't listen to David Nixon. This is not the look that I'm going for, okay? He, he may tell you this is the look that I'm going for. It's not the look that I'm going for. So if he says anything to you, just, you know, don't even, don't even listen to him. But the thing that we have to keep in, in, in mind is this when it comes to cleaning. See, I, I think the reason why we don't necessarily enjoy cleaning is because once you clean, you have to do it again, don't you? You can't just clean your house and say, one and done. It doesn't work like that. See, as humans, when we clean something up, it has to be cleaned over and over and over and over again. That's why we, you know, can say we live in a sinful world is the reason why we probably have to do that. But church, as believers in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross, we are so fortunate. We are so fortunate. Do you know why? See, for us, it's totally different because Jesus only had to clean us up once. He cleansed us from our sins by his death, burial, and resurrection. Our cleansing was, in fact, one and done with Jesus. However, we will spend the rest of this life learning the importance of that cleansing. Also, like the prophet Isaiah he cleansed us for a mission. And this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. The title of our sermon this morning is this, His Holy Cleansing. His Holy Cleansing. We're going to be in the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. See, if you remember from last week, we learned about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In their encounter in the fiery furnace. See, we were encouraged that Jesus is our strength, He is our comfort, and He is our protection. We saw how Jesus showed up for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in order to provide strength, in order to provide comfort, and in order to provide protection. And we know that He showed up for us at the cross against the sin of the world. So today, we're going to see how God cleansed Isaiah in order to have him eventually answer a call that the Lord had placed on his life. Also, we're going to be encouraged in how God has cleansed us too. So let's read from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. And in that year, the king Uzziah died and saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the fountain of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. 
For I am a man of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Amen. When we put these verses this morning into one verse, it looks just like this. We say, just like Jesus cleansed Isaiah to be a prophet, he has cleansed us to be ambassadors of the gospel, the good news. And I don't ever want us to get sick of having that verbiage off the tip of our tongues. We should always be talking about the gospel. We should always be talking about the good news. So especially when we read this in Isaiah 6, we see clearly that just like Jesus cleansed Isaiah to be a prophet, he has cleansed us to be ambassadors of the gospel. Now, let's ask a question. The question we should be asking this morning is this. How can we best represent the gospel? How is it that we can best represent the gospel? When you think about your own personal life, how is it that you can best represent the good news of Jesus every day? Well, we can do this by constantly learning how to turn away from our sin and turn back towards God. That's really what it's all about. The the Christian life isn't about living perfectly so others can see how perfect and noble you are. That's not the Christian life. See, we are to be examples of repentance, and that's exactly what this is. When we say by constantly learning how to turn away from our sin and turn back towards God, that's repentance. We should always be learning how to repent and get better at doing it each and every time. Now, most of you ladies here this morning, I can say this with confidence. You love fashion. I can tell. Most Sundays, actually, I should say all Sundays, you look marvelous. We have some beautiful women in this congregation that attend Villa's Grace Church Call. This your church home. You look fantastic, especially in Florida because you can wear colors that you normally can't get away with wearing in other places. I understand you love fashion, and I know this mainly through the five women that I've lived with in my life. Wait, some of you guys kind of looked at me funny there. Get your head out of the gutter, okay? Jeez, the five women I lived with was my mother, my two sisters, my wife Hope, and Reese, my daughter. Okay, those are the five women. Now, one thing I've learned from these five is they all have the same problem. They all say the same thing. They all say they have nothing to wear, but yet remind me that they don't have enough closet space. It's a bit oxymoronic, isn't it? But seriously, have you ever showed up somewhere? Because I know how it is, ladies, you know how it is. Like When you're going somewhere, you try on a bunch of outfits and look in the mirror, and usually... Hope will ask me how it looks. I had sisters that did that with me when I was younger. Their friends would do it. Hey, what do you think? You know, does this make me look this or that or whatever? You know, whatever look they're going for. 
But have you ever showed up some, somewhere and realized that you were way underdressed? And it's kind of embarrassing because you're there, you can't change, and everybody else you feel like is looking much better than you. And here you are underdressed, right? It's like going to a black tie dinner in a pair of jeans instead of a tuxedo. That embarrassing feeling when you feel like you stick out like a sore thumb. I think most of us have experienced that from one time or another. But see, Isaiah, he felt like he stuck out like a sore thumb. When he was standing in the presence of Jesus, Isaiah felt underdressed spiritually. When he saw Jesus physically. And we see that in our first five verses this morning. Isaiah chapter 6 verses 1 through 5 again. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one he called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundation of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the houses or the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Again, where is the Lord sitting? I think it's important. Where is the Lord sitting? He's sitting upon the throne. Jesus is King of Kings. He was observed by Isaiah as being, what? What does it say? High and lifted up. Church, the way in which Isaiah describes seeing Jesus is the way that we should see him each and every day. We should be asking ourselves this important question every day. We should be asking ourselves the question, is the Lord sitting upon his throne in my life today? If we do not recognize Jesus upon his throne, high and lifted up above our lives do you know who's on that throne in our life then, high and lifted up? If it's not Jesus, guess who it is? It's you. It's me. And the last thing I want to be doing is putting Jesus off his throne and putting myself in his rightful place. Isaiah says this. He says, his robe filled the temple. See, this is no ordinary temple. Isaiah had been to the earthly temple. This temple, where this robe filled the entire temple, was in the heavenly realms. This is the same throne and temple that we actually see in Revelation 4. This temple of the heavenly realms has been recorded elsewhere by John. But how do we know that this is true? Well, there, there's two things that give us factual evidence that this is true, that this temple is in the heavenly realms. One, because Isaiah did not reference the temple that he personally knew himself. And two, what does it say? Above him stood the seraphim. 
Each had six wings, and two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. Clearly, these are angelic beings of the spiritual realm. Now, verse 3. Verse 3 begins to mirror what we said about John in Revelation 4. So what I want to do, I want you to look at verse 3 really quick. Look at verse 3. Now, allow me to read from Revelation chapter 4. John records this. He says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come. And whoever the living creature give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever. One Bible, two different writers, same author. These men were able to write under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. That's why there's consistency within the Bible. See, Isaiah recorded a very similar thing, didn't he, that we just read here, 800 years before John. Isaiah says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Think about that. The whole earth, his creation is full of his glory. See, there's this thing called general revelation. And there's something called special revelation. What Isaiah is referencing here is general revelation. Now, you may be asking, what is general revelation? What is special revelation? General revelation is this. No man can take credit for the sun, moon, and stars. God has given the world the evidence that he is a creator. Now, people deny general revelation, but it exists nonetheless. Just because you close your, your eyes doesn't mean it goes away. As for special revelation, this is more of what Isaiah is receiving as a prophet. See, he's now receiving special revelation. We receive God's special revelation the moment we're saved. Now, one must accept general revelation to accept special revelation. So therefore, special revelation of God is for believers only. We understand that. But church, do you know what we must do as believers? Each and every day, remember that God is, as it says in verse 3, holy, holy, holy. And because we know through general revelation, we can look at the sun, we can look at the moon, we can look at the stars, and we can say God is holy, holy, holy. Amazing what he's created. And then, because of our acceptance of what he has done in his creation, we receive this special revelation that says, you're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus. We say, God is holy, holy, holy for what he has done for me. Something that I could have never have done on my own. And we must 
know that we were born first and foremost separated from God. Why? Because we were born unholy heathens. Every last one of us, we were born as unholy heathens. Which is ridiculous for me to start off by joking about living with five different women and then coming around and saying, oh, it was just my sisters and my mom and my wife and my daughter. Because there's some unholy heathens here who have lived with multiple partners. And guess what? It doesn't make you any more unholy than me or as a believer in Jesus, any more holy than me. We're all in this together, aren't we? And we can't forget that. So that's why we say God is holy, holy, holy. Not me, not you, but him. And Isaiah had an encounter with God. So, some of you may be asking, if we're all in this together, we're all in the same boat. I don't know about you, but I'm asking myself right now, what then are my options as an unholy heathen? What are my options? See, I, I think when we look at these first five verses, our options are quite clearly to be a little bit more like Isaiah. Know that you're spiritually underdressed before the Lord whose robe filled the temple. As believers, we've accepted both general and special revelation. So therefore, we can say exactly what Isaiah says in verse 5. What does he say? He says, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah references his lips. See, from the abundance of the heart, from what's overflowing in your heart comes out the mouth, off the tongue, touching the lips. Isaiah wanted to confess with his lips. Why? Because he had a first-hand glimpse of the Almighty God. And he knew what his heart was harboring. He had a first-hand glimpse of the Almighty God who rules the heavens and earth, we too make the same confession for the same exact reason. Therefore, Isaiah knew that his sinfulness comes from where? His heart. Our sinfulness comes from where? Our heart. He knew that he couldn't begin his mission with unclean lips. Church, the same is true for us. However, our mission is just a little bit different. We don't have the same mission as Isaiah. But just like Isaiah, we too were once lost, but now we have been found. Now God wants to use us to share his special revelation of the good news of Jesus so others can be found too. Church, others get found when we reveal our reliance on Jesus. Do you know what that looks like? Do you know what that looks like in our lives? It looks a whole lot like 
repentance. When we continue to learn to turn away from our sin and back to God. However, before that can happen, like Isaiah, Jesus must cleanse us first. Which is why this morning we're saying this. Our main idea says that just like Jesus cleansed Isaiah to be a prophet, he has cleansed us to be ambassadors of the gospel. That's why we're asking the question. The question we're asking this morning asks this, how can we best represent the gospel? How can I best represent the gospel in my life? I can do so by constantly learning how to turn away from our sin and turn back towards God. I don't know about you, but I love seeing a fully restored automobile. I love it. I love it when it's fully restored and it's 100% original material. When you see an automobile that's been fully restored back from disgrace to grace, from being unuseful to useful, from ugly to now gorgeous, it's, it's an awesome thing. Especially cars that are like 20, 30, 40, 50 years old. I would rather see one of those than one of the most expensive cars in the world because it's so neat, the restoration. See, just like Isaiah standing before Jesus, he knew that he was underdressed in his current state, didn't he? Because he knew that he stood there a broken man before a holy God. However, do you know what's amazing? What's amazing is Jesus is about ready to restore him. He's about to be taken from an unsatisfactory state to a state of satisfaction before the Lord. And he's doing all of this. He's doing all of this so Isaiah can be a functional and gorgeous ambassador for what God is asking him to do. As he was being prepared to embark upon the mission that God had placed in his life. And we see that in verses 6 and 7. Verse 6 starts off by saying, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this, is, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Ladies and gentlemen, what we have here in verses 6 and 7 is what happens when you confess your sins to the Lord. Now, a seraphim may not fly to us and put hot coal on tongs and touch our lips. However, the end of verse 7 that we see there, your sin atoned for, Jesus has done that for us. And his finished work on the cross makes that possible. So let's ask a few questions here. Let's ask a few questions. First things first. Speaking of the end of verse 7, what does it mean when it says your sin atoned for? What does atoned stand for? What does that mean? How do we define that? When we say atoned, it means to satisfy. God is now satisfied with our position before Him because He sees us as being a completed work, no longer the sinner that we are. That's how he sees us. But we're still in this state where we sin. 
God was not satisfied with Isaiah and his unclean lips. He wasn't. Because he originally stood before the Almighty God, a, what did he say? A lost and broken man. In an unsatisfactory state. However, what did this prompt him to do? It prompted Isaiah to confess his holiness and his kingship over his life. Lord, you are the one that's holy over my life. You are the king of my life. You are on your throne. Therefore, this paved the way for God to being satisfied with him. So secondly, let's ask this question. What's a seraphim? I know we kind of touched on it earlier, but quite simply, it's an angelic being or it's an angel. Finally, let's ask this third question. Outside of confessing as what Isaiah said, he said, I am a man of unclean lips. Outside of confessing that, what did he do to deserve this atonement or satisfaction? What did he do? He confessed his sin, but what else did he do to be able to earn this? See, this is the beauty. He did absolutely nothing. Church, our being cleansed is the work of who? Jesus. When humans clean anything up, what's going to happen? That's right, you're going to have to clean it again. How about you think about that next time you're cleaning the house? That's kind of demotive. It's not very motivating, is it? It is our mission to share this good news, though. It's our mission to now share this special revelation that God has shown us that says, Grace alone, faith alone. Grace meaning our faith in Jesus is a gift to begin with. We have to do absolutely nothing. We share the grace of God's forgiveness. What a beautiful message. We all need forgiveness. We all need forgiveness. We all need forgiveness. Why? Because we've been commissioned to share this gift given freely. That's why. See, Isaiah was selected by God to be a prophet. What was he to prophesy? Thank goodness we don't have his job, or we didn't have his job. See, he was commissioned to prophesy about God's coming judgment. Not a popular topic. We've been given an awesome message. We've been commissioned to go forth with this incredible message. We get to share God's forgiveness and mercy. It's amazing. An unholy heathen like me, an unholy heathen like you, you get to share God's forgiveness and mercy with others. And this is why Jesus has cleansed us. He's cleansed us so we can go out on this mission. So as I call Mike up this morning and we, and we wrap up, I want you to please listen to this next statement. I want you to, to, to actually not even look at this as a statement as much as an encouragement. Church, do not neglect your mission. Think about what I said this morning. I could have alienated about half of you in this room by making a 
little joke about living with somebody before marriage. But I can make that in confidence because I know that I need forgiveness too. I'm guilty. And because of God's special revelation of who Jesus is in the gospel, the good news, I can go forward and say, hey, let me, let me show you. Let me show you this message of forgiveness and mercy. I can tell you about it, but let me show you by the way in which I'm learning to repent, the way in which I'm learning to turn away from my sin and turn back to God. Why? Why do I need to do this each and every day? Why do I need to learn how to do this? Because I'm pretty good at sinning. It's not about what you do as much as it is it's about what you don't do. You can share the gospel but never repent. That doesn't do anybody any good. Like Isaiah, we need to admit when we sin. That's all there is to it. That's the kind of culture that we want to have. Church, we've been selected to be ambassadors of the good news. Do not neglect that. We've been selected to be ambassadors to an unbelieving world, ambassadors to a family member, ambassadors to a co-worker, ambassadors to a neighbor, ambassadors to a complete stranger. We cannot forget that we are on mission. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. We're on mission to a world that thinks personal goodness brings God satisfaction. However, we know that our goodness brings nothing other than death and destruction. It's those who know that our being cleansed is due to God's holiness. They are the ones. We are the ones who receive life eternal because of Jesus and his love and his mercy and his forgiveness. So the question is for us this morning. so it's because we know this our main idea just like Jesus cleansed Isaiah to be an ambassador or a prophet he has cleansed us to be an ambassador of the gospel that's why we asked the question the question we asked was this how can we best represent the gospel we can best represent the gospel by constantly learning how to turn away from our sin and turn back God. Let's go. Let's go. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are holy, holy, holy. Lord, I pray that we do put you on your throne. I pray that you convict us if we do not. I pray that we encourage each other to put you in your rightful space that rules the heavens and the earth. Thank you for your work upon the cross and all that you do for us. We pray all of this in your name, Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.